This is week seven on our series, The Everlasting Kingdom of God. And so we're just continually going in this. You know, the gospel of the kingdom. We have to look at a couple scriptures of that. Let's go to Matthew chapter four. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We're just gonna flow a little bit here. Matthew chapter four. I wanna say it's verse 23 maybe. Hallelujah. In Matthew chapter four and verse 23, it says, and Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching what? The gospel of the kingdom. Do you know that Jesus coming to this earth, he restored the kingdom of God upon the earth. His will is to get it back in the earth, which he did, and now to get it in the hearts of men. Do you know as you're sitting here tonight as a believer, the kingdom of God is in you. You're in the kingdom. And you know the kingdom, there is a gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom, what is that? The gospel. The word gospel means glad tidings. It means a message that seems too good to be true. So this is what he preached. He preached the gospel of the kingdom. It literally, salvation, healing, prosperity, deliverance, safety, wholeness, authority. All of these things are the gospel of the kingdom, right? How, how, how you can have what you say, the power of your confession, how to operate in the kingdom. That's part of the gospel of the kingdom, Signs, wonders, miracles, that's all about the gospel of the kingdom. And they'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It's the gospel of the kingdom. Isn't that good news? Let's look at another one. It says the same thing. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Let me find it. Verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Oh, wait, time out. We got to go back to Matthew chapter 4. I didn't read that whole scripture, did I? Man, there's a really good part here. Te preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner disease, manner of disease among the people. Wow. Notice that Jesus taught in the synagogue. Notice in the book of Revelation, when Jesus appears to John after, the resur after his resurrection, this would have been how many years after? John's an old man now. Maybe like 70 years after maybe, something like that, maybe 75 years after, all of a sudden John is in the island of Patmos. He's in a cave, beating rocks, and all of a sudden Jesus appears to him. Where is he standing? Right in the middle of seven lampstands, which represents seven local churches. Jesus tonight, guess what? He is teaching in the local church, which was just like the synagogue. He preaches at Faith Family Church every service. He heals, right? All manner of sickness and all manner of disease. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. 
chapter 9, right? Hallelujah. Chapter 9, verse 35, again. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues. Isn't that amazing? He taught in all of the cities and in all of the villages. Wow, Jesus doesn't just show up in a megachurch in a major city. He wants to teach in every church, everywhere, right? I love that. Teaching in their synagogues, preaching again the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease. In the Greek, it would read every manner of sickness and every manner of disease. The reason why it says that is because there are some sicknesses and some diseases in 2022 that weren't there in A.D. 20-something. So it's not just, because then people could go, well, maybe he healed everything that was there then, but man, you know, now they have these, these viruses that are like super viruses. No, every manner. Every manner. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? So why, why do we preach the word? Because it's the gospel of the kingdom. So that's two witnesses. That's pretty good. Right? Why don't we go for three? Let's go to Mark chapter 1 in verse 14. Mark chapter 1 in verse 14. Now after that John was put in prison... Math, or did, what did I say? Mark chapter 1, verse 14, right? right? Now after that, John was put in prison, John the Baptist, what, Jesus came into Galilee. What was he doing? Preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. So he's still preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Wow. But yeah, pastor, but that's when he was on the earth. So what about now? You know, that kind of all was done away. Well, let's look at a fourth one. Let's go to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. I'll tell you what verse in a minute. Hmm, verse 14. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus is talking about, the, he's talking about a period of time before the second coming, when he comes back to this earth. So remember, what does that mean? Right? Jesus came out of the grave in about A.D. 30, in about April. Right? He was, he was on the earth for 40 days. After his resurrection, appeared to over 500 people. Then he literally was taken into heaven. They saw him go, and the angel said, hey, listen, that same Jesus is going to come back in the same way. So now he's been in heaven for almost 2,000 years. What's going to happen in a very short period of time, very short period of time, with emphasis on very short. In case I'm not clear, it's very short. Okay? In the Greek, Hebrew, Latin, I don't care what language, that means very short. He's going to be, we're going to hear a trumpet. And his, the first part of the second coming is he's going to say, come up here, and all of a sudden we're going to meet the Lord in the clouds, and we're going to be forever with him. And then we're going to go into heaven for seven years, 
And while all hell is breaking loose on this earth during that tribulation period, which is about to start, we'll be in heaven at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then at the end of that seven-year period, now the second half of the second part of the second coming happens where Jesus doesn't stop in the air. The Bible says literally he will come and set his feet on the Mount of Olives and he will establish his kingdom for a thousand years on this earth. This scripture talks about from the time he went into heaven, in between the time he went into heaven and the church age started until he comes back and sets his feet physically on this earth. So this is talking about our time. And in verse 14 it says, and the gospel, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations and then the end then shall the end come wow right after that it starts talking about the abomination of desolation what is that that's midway through the tribulation that is literally literally when the antichrist will sit in the holy of holies in the temple that will be rebuilt in jerusalem and he will proclaim himself as God, and that starts the great tribulation, the last three and a half year period. So in other words, this gospel of the kingdom is to be preached in the whole church age. Right? In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established, there's four. Right? Now, there's others because it talks about glad tidings of the kingdom. Well, what does that mean? It's the same Greek word, gospel, right? Guys, we preach the gospel. As we do this series, we could preach this series forever. We talked about what a kingdom was. We talked about a lot of things. Last week, we went into the parable of the sower, right? The parable of the sower that literally shows us. It is, it is, the, it is literally like the master key, how everything works in the kingdom of God. And it starts with he who has ears to hear. And then we go into this parable of the sower and we see that the word of God sown in the hearts of man is what produces everything. Don't put the pressure to be healed on you. Put it on the word. Because you grow a healing. You grow all the blessings of God, right? Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, he was quoting Deuteronomy 8, 3. He said this, man shall not live by bread alone, but man shall live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You and I live by every word that proceeds out of his mouth. When sickness illegally attacks our body, we use his word that has proceeded out of his mouth and we, we get it in our heart and then proceed it out of our own mouth and he performs that word. That's how everything works in, in the kingdom. Man shall not live by bread only. And then we see though, go to, Ma go to Mark chapter four, verse 20. Mark chapter four, verse 20. I can get to my notes now. Mark chapter 4, verse 20. Remember last week, we talked about these four soils. There was wayside ground, 
right? Immediately, the person, or Satan came and made the person doubt the word and took the word away. Stony ground, there was no moisture. The person was not watering the word through meditating in it, through staying in it, through continuing in it. They just heard it. And because there was no moisture, they were all excited for a little bit. But when persecution and affliction came, what happened? It stopped the word of God from producing. Then there's thorny ground. Remember, we talked about that. Satan didn't even have to do anything to stop the word from producing there. The person heard it, but the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire just for other things entered in and choked the word, and it was unfruitful. It didn't produce anything. But there was only one word that was sown in the hearts of man, one seed that was sown on good ground, and the only difference between all of the three grounds and the good ground is they continued in it. They heard it and received it. So let's look at this real quick. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, right, and receive it. Tonight, it's not just enough as this word goes forth. You need to receive it. What does that mean? That Greek word literally means you approve it, you take it up, and you continue in it. How do you continue in it? You continue to speak it when you leave this place. Right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm the head and not the tail. Right? I know the voice of God. All authority in heaven and earth was given to Jesus, and he gave me his name. And now I have all authority over the enemy. Right? I am seated with Christ in heavenly places far above all principality and power. Right? I take upon myself the whole armor of God. See, I continue in it. Right? I, I continue in it. Because it says here, and then what happened to that word? Because the person not only heard it, but they approved it, they picked it up, and they continued in it, the word brought forth fruit. 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. In other words, the, the fruit that was born was based on the attitude the person had towards the word. Is the word of God everything to you? Then that's hundredfold. Amen. Right? God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or even think according to that power that works in you. What's that power? The revelation knowledge that you walk in that God loves you so much. It takes all the limits off. So that's one scripture. Good ground. This parable, which Jesus said, if you don't understand this, you can't understand any of them. I have to continue in the word. That means I know what that looks like, right? We've talked about this. What do I do? Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 through 22. I've got to put the word first place. That's how I approve it. I take it up and I continue in it. I incline my ear to it. I give the word my undivided attention, right? I never let the word depart from my eyes. I keep it in the midst of my heart. 
Joshua 1.9, I never let the word of God depart out of my mouth, but I meditate in it day and night. See, I'm continuing in it. Now, James said it this way. We looked at this scripture. James chapter 1, verse 22. Instead of continuing in it, another way to say continue in it is be a doer of it. Notice just hearing and then going and living your life, it doesn't produce anything. Is that right? Don't look at God if, the, if it's not producing in your life. Look at yourself because God never fails. And, and God wants to produce his word in your life. He wants to perform it, right? It's already settled, but he wants you to walk in the results of all of it. It says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. And this word hearer is a little bit different word. It's one who hears with no intention of doing. I'm just listening. Do you know how many word of faith Christians, they love to hear the word. They will sit and listen to the word all day and all night because it makes them feel so good. And man, they walk they walk in victory, in theory, like no other denomination in the body of Christ. But I don't know about you. I don't want to walk in victory in theory. I want to walk in victory experientially. And to do that, you have to put action to the word of God. You've got to continue in it. Otherwise, you're just going to be wayside, stony, or thorny ground. Right? Does, it, do you, does that make sense? Yes. See how clear that's coming as we keep talking about that? You start to look at your life and you're going, oh my gosh. I thought I was in faith, but I, there's no way I'm not talking. As a matter of fact, not only am I not speaking the word, I'm speaking all my circumstances. Right? I'm so mad at this person. I can't believe what they did to me. I'm, come on, sister, let me tell you all about it. No, let's talk about this. Does that make sense? What am, I, what am I preaching right now? The gospel of the kingdom. Right? But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. That tells me that wayside, stony, and thorny ground are self-deceived children of God who he loves. And he wants to help. God wants you to please him. And what that means, he wants you to walk in faith so he can get over to you everything. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's likened unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass, or that word glass is in the Greek is mirror. He beholds his natural face in a mirror. We all did that today, right? Right? There's no guys here who shave that has bandages all over your face. Have you, could you imagine shaving without looking at yourself in the mirror? Yikes, right? I mean, it's obvious a lot of these ladies have really looked in a mirror because their makeup looks good. You know, they don't have eyeshadow on their, above their lip. <laughs> right? So the hearer, but not the doer, looks as if a man is looking at himself in a mirror, for he beholds himself and then goes his way. Have you ever done that with the word? 
you have this moment with God where you start seeing something. What always happens? Phone rings. Sometimes it just beeps. Oh, got another text. Let me look at that. Before you know it, you have literally went your own way. Beholds himself, goes his way, and straightway or at once just forgets what manner of man that he was. That he was when? When he was looking in the mirror. Oh, say, see, we around here know who we are. But if we don't keep looking, we will immediately forget who we are. Have you ever done that? You're just this, you are like this dripping love machine. You just drip with the love of Christ. It's like, you know, anybody could come up right now and just slap me, spit on me. I love, and then all of a sudden some dude who you don't even know cuts you off on Dodge. And you immediately forget what manner of man that you were when you were the love machine, right? This is, this is what the Holy Spirit, see what we're doing right now is the Holy Spirit wants, wants you to spar. He wants you to learn how to, how to really walk this stuff out when the enemy is throwing these thoughts at you. He doesn't want you to forget who you are because when you forget who you are in him, see, when you forget who you are, guess who you really forget who? You forget who he is. Because guess what? You and him are like this. Eyes on him, you mess with me, you gotta go through Jesus. Good luck with that. And if you go through Jesus, you gotta go through the Father and then look out the mighty Holy Spirit, man, he ducks it. He's so fast. He's like the wind. You can't see him coming. You don't know where he's coming from. You don't know where he's going. He will take you out. But the minute I get my eyes off, I'm just Tony. And all of a sudden, I don't see Jesus anymore. I see the mountain. Oh, my gosh. Right? This is, this is right where we live, guys, the gospel of the kingdom. He beholds himself. This is the 2022 iPhone, Android, Apple Watch, iPad, iMac, MacBook Pro, all the technology going 900 miles an hour, let alone Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all, these, all this stuff. We just forget who we are, Right? But it says here, verse 25, but whoever looks, this word looks literally means looks and keeps on looking. Same thing as continues in. He's a doer. The only difference is he keeps on looking. Do you know how many people, Christians are running around going, I just... I don't know God's will for my life. Really? Every one of us should know God's will for our life. It's real simple to be fashioned into the image of Jesus. Yeah, oh yeah, 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 pastor. No, no, no. I mean, where do I go to school? Who do I marry? What do I do? Where do I live? No, time out, you self-centered person. You're not going to find out anything because your eyes are on yourself. Now, I'm, real, I'm not calling you self-centered. I'm talking about me. You know what I mean? When you start thinking about yourself, no, no, no. No, your whole life 
is to be fashioned into the image of Jesus. He didn't put you down here for you. He put you down here so that you could show the world who he is. Not to make something of you. He already did that. He already made something of you. The moment you got saved, you were made, I mean, you were given everything. He puts you here so you could grow up and he could use you to make something of, make something of others. And oh, by the way, if you want to find out who to marry, where to work, what career to do, where to go to school, where to do, everything else is found while you're being fashioned into the image of Jesus. Because if your focus is on these outward things, you'll get antsy, it'll get too loud, and you won't hear the still small voice. You'll start coming at life like, okay, you know, I failed three or four times. I'm, my window's kind of getting short. I can't fail anymore. This has got to happen soon. But if you're just fashioned into the, his image, you already know, oh, he's going to finish the work he started. I don't, I'm not stressed. And what happens is you get quiet. You get quiet on the inside because you know there is not anything on this planet or in the planet that could ever stop the plan of God for my life. I'm not trying to become successful. I'm already a success in Christ. And now all this stuff just has to bow. Time frames, I don't care. I already know the end result. Right? I mean, do you, are you getting a picture of this? That sounds too good to be true. Yes. It is the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom. Pastor, I messed up my whole life, every area of my life. There's not one area that was not a complete disaster. You know what, that, you know what God says to that? Watch this. Because guess what? Before you ever messed it up, I already have a plan that's going to put it all back together again and then some, and you won't even feel the scar. You won't see the scar. I remember the four and a half hour service I was in at Rama with this guy. I mean, he had like these dreadlocks coming down to here. You know, I think he, I don't even know. You know, the pants didn't match the shirt. His shoes had toes on them. And I mean, he's just like a wild man. And he's like, I am the perfect picture of a complete failure. Convicted felon. You know, I don't even remember everything. Dishonorably discharged, divorced, mess, drug addict, alcoholic, everything. Todd White. That's who it was. God put it all back together. And I'm telling you, that's what he does. That's the gospel of the kingdom. But whoever looks and keeps on looking into the perfect law of liberty. You know what liberty is? Freedom. Do you know what this is? This is the perfect law of freedom. And continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, God says this man shall be blessed in his deed, or in the Greek, in his doing. Wow. So let's look at another scripture. We got continue in. We got doer, looks and keeps on looking. Do you see a pattern here? It's all saying the same thing. 
Go to John chapter 8, verse 31. What are we talking about? This is, this is how you unlock everything in the kingdom. Everything. Your healing, provision, restoration, protection, provision. Right? Doesn't matter what inflation does. Doesn't matter, right? I mean, do you realize in, in, in America, we're going to experience, we're already starting to experience something that in the history of the United States, we've never experienced yet. Inflation, while a recession's going on. We've never experienced that before. Do you know how people are gonna need Jesus? As their provider, as their peace. Because guess what? There is no such thing as a recession or inflation in the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter. Like I remember uh, Tim Rogers and Rhonda talking to us. Yeah, you know, we were unable to buy a house in Mexico for years because the mortgage interest rate was too high. I'm like, well, how high was it? Oh, it was like 32%. It was like 30-some per... I'm like, I'm like, what? What did you say? Who was your mortgage broker? Vinny of the mob? I mean, come on. 30-some percent, you know? But you know what? If you have cash, if God just gives you a house and there's no mortgage, it doesn't matter what the interest rate is. And I got good news for you. Our covenant says he'll give you houses you didn't build. That we live in an eternal jubilee, debt cancellation. I mean, again, wait a minute, that sounds too good to be true. Yeah, it's the gospel of the kingdom. And you and I are not just going to preach it, we're going to demonstrate it. Or I should say it correctly, it's hard to say we or him because we're in him. He's going to demonstrate it through your life. Oh, if you'll just, if you'll just look and keep on looking... If you'll just continue in, if you'll just be a doer, right? Look at John chapter 8, verse 31. Man, I don't know if you're enjoying this, but wow, am I, I'm, I'm just, I'm happy right now, right? John chapter 8, I wish, like right now, I wish I could be a culmination of Steve Furtick and Bill Winston. I might be able to get this out what's inside of me. So we'll just pretend. Because all I know how to be is Tony. And really, that's all I really, who I really want to be is Tony, right? John chapter 8, verse 31 says it this way. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word. Wow, there's that, there's that phrase again. This word continue, if you remain, if you abide, listen to that word, if you endure, do you know the one who looks and keeps on looking, that's what that looks like? The one who continues in the word, it's the same thing. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth. That, that word know means that you'll perceive and understand the truth, well, what's the truth? Just right down the road from this in the same letter that John wrote, John said, 
by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, thy word is truth. In other words, if you continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, or you will know, perceive, and understand the, the word. And the truth or the word will not set you free. It will make you free. See, if you're set free, you can be bound again. But he didn't come. Verse 36 says, whoever the son hath made free is indeed free. That's verse 36. If therefore the shun shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Wow. Wow. Look, th this is really good, but look up the tenses in the Greek. When did, when did Jesus make you as a New Testament believer free? On the cross. Do you know in the Greek language... You shall be is the strongest way you can say something in the Greek language. There is no gray area. Not that there's, the, you know, there's a 99.9% .9 chance you will be made free. No, no, no. No, that's not when it says you shall be. God is saying you shall be free. If my son made you free in his redemptive work, you shall be free. Wow. Again, continue this is the gospel of the kingdom this is the key to how to walk in everything you must continue you gotta stop looking at at circumstances and situations you now it doesn't say i mean you're not going to be able to just put blinders on you know if you're sick you're gonna know it but here's the thing you're not you're not looking at it you're not, you're not staring at it. You're not continually looking at it. And here, here's the way to, to really, this is what I'm really talking about. You, you might see it, but you're not worried about it. If you're worried about something, it just consumes you. Right? You fix your eyes on Jesus, and now he's your answer. So if you, if you, you know, we don't deny a circumstance, but faith will deny its right. Right? So let's go to another scripture. John chapter 15. It says it all over the book. John chapter 15. I hope you get, by the end of this night, I hope you get so tired of hearing me say, okay, we got it. We got to continue in it. No, you haven't got it yet. When you really get it, you'll be like, no, no, pastor, can we keep, can we just stay here? And can you just tell me 800 more times? Because this is really, really, really good, right? Look at what it says, Jesus talking, abide in me. That means to dwell continually in me and I in you. Well, who is Jesus? The word of God. In the beginning was the word, John 1, 1. The word was with God, and the word was God, right? Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. 
No more can you except you abide in me. No more can you bear fruit unless you're abiding in him. Parable of the sower. 30, 60, and 100 fold. It's the word. The life force that's going to perform everything that God's given you in this realm is going to be the word of God, Jesus. Look at this. I am the vine, verse 5, you are the branches. He that abides in me remains continually in me. And I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. Gosh, this is the parable of the sower just said in a different way. Do you see that? For without me, you can do nothing. Why? Because you're either going to be wayside, stony, or thorny ground. Because it's the word that produces. all The gospel, it's really the gospel of grace. It's every, it includes everything that Jesus produ, provided for you in redemption. You can't produce it in yourself. He produces it. So take, I hope tonight, you just give yourself a big break. And stop trying to make everything happen and let God do it. Because God wants to do it big. This is so, wow. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Jump down to verse 7. If you abide in me and my... Now he's explaining this. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it again, it shall be done unto you. You shall ask. Here's New Testament ask. This Greek word, it literally means you shall call for, you shall require, you'll make a demand for something and it'll be done it's not and you shall come to me and beg oh god please no please do this for me do you know he doesn't hear that prayer do you know why because he's already done everything for you it's not a matter of him doing anything it's a matter of you laying hold of it through faith so that he can perform it and what do you mean perform it What's already done in the unseen realm, he wants it done in your body, in your life. Does that make sense? That's how it works. Well, I just don't believe that stuff. Well, okay. Then there's nothing we can do for you. Right? Prove it. God said it. That's it. He's God. You, gotta, you choose to believe it or not. I've chosen to believe this. Boy, does it pay big dividends. Wow, right? The primary avenue through which we have a living connection with him is through the written word of God. The word of God, it provides the foundation of our intimate fellowship with him. For the word of God to become effective in your life, you have to let it become more than just a book. 
Because outside of a few people sitting in here that are very intellectual and very academic, when we hear book, we're like, ooh. <laughs> right? Now, there's some people in here who just love to read. Right? But you don't, you don't learn this one. You discern this one. You do that by meditating. Right? It's got to be more than a book. It has to be. It's alive, full of life and power. God's word is literally God speaking directly to you. That's what, that's what his word is. God is instructing us. In other words, in this passage of scripture, he's instructing us to make a place of dependency and communion with him our permanent dwelling place. I See, the, my heart is not a hotel that the word of God checks in and out of. It's, it's, it's a home. It's, I have made him my, my place of dependency, my place where I commune with him, and I'm never leaving. Right? Surely goodness and mercy is going to follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm going to dwell in this place that I'm dwelling in right now. I'm going to dwell in it forever. Wow. See, if we don't make the word of God a place of complete dependency and communion where I commune with him intimately, if we don't do this, we will never be able to produce the kind of results that he wants in our life. He won't, be able to, he won't be able to perform them and produce them. The word will not, you'll be stony ground, you'll be wayside ground or thorny ground. And here's the thing about this. You can't store up a living connection with him. It's a daily thing. The word must be number one. That's the gospel of the kingdom. There's a lot of people out there preaching that you could have all of your own things that you want in your flesh and have God too. And boy, I'll tell you that it just doesn't, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. When you become too busy to spend time with God through meditating in his word, through times of prayer with him, what happens is you become preoccupied with worldly things, right? What happens when we get too busy, we, come pre we become preoccupied. Has this ever happened to anybody? Today, right? Can, all you, here's all you got to do to do that is nothing. When we disconnect from God, we immediately begin to lose freshness spiritually. Do you know there's some people that look at this Bible and when they try to read it, man, it's just the most boring thing in the world to them. Right? Does that mean they're a bad Christian? No. No, they just never looked and kept looking. Because when you keep looking, when you continue in, it starts opening up and you see who Jesus is. And it will forever change your life. It goes from religion to relationship like that. 
right? You start to lose freshness spiritually when you disconnect. And, and what do I mean by that? We lose our capacity for spiritual action. We lose the capacity to be able to respond out of our spirit. What does that look like? Okay, you guys brought your steel-toed shoes tonight and you love your pastor, right? What that looks like is you know what to do, but you don't do it. Have you ever been there? And everybody said, oh me, ouch. Thank God for his mercy, right? Because you know what? That doesn't move God at all. He still loves you. He's still coming. He'll heal your toes, right? He will do that, right? He will help you. See, we, many times we know what to do. We just fail to do it because, I mean, let's be honest. Sometimes we just don't want to. Forget that. I'm not walking in love. I'm not. Are you kidding me? So? I'm not doing that. Right? Whatever it is. So Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Here's another one. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Look at what this one says. It says, let us, notice, now we're getting into another dynamic of this. Do you know, it doesn't say, let me hold fast to the profession of my faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. No, it says, let us. Ooh, now we got another dynamic here. No Lone Ranger Christians. How are you going to hold fast to speaking the word of God? You need to be around other believers that are speaking the word of God. Because how you speak the word of God continuously is you're around a bunch of believers that are speaking the word of God. And it's, it's they're walking by faith and you're walking by faith. And what will put 1,000 to flight and two will put 10,000 to flight? Because what does the enemy do? Whenever you start losing spiritual action, you know what to do, but you're not doing it. You kind of start looking at natural things and look, what do you want to do? Do you want to run and be around all these believers? Do you know I've had people tell me, oh man, I just, I just, I don't want to come to church. I, I just don't, all these people are just, they're just phony. They're all just so happy. And I, I'm not happy, so I don't want to be around them. And Satan's going, yeah, you shouldn't be around them. Go do something else. Go pray. At first it might be, go pray or just, you know, just separate yourself. Look out. The banana that gets pulled away from the bunch is the one that always gets peeled, right? <laughs> Satan is looking, seeking whom he may devour. Let us hold fast. The profession of our faith without wavering because he is faithful. We hold fast. We keep speaking and we keep speaking and we keep speaking. So you need to get around people that are speaking what you believe. What the word of God says. Right? You might have to give up some friends. Redefine some things. But remember, this game is life and death. Right? Let's look at another passage of scripture. We have blown the in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Let every word be established. We have gone way beyond that right now, haven't we? 
And I'm only on the beginning of page five. <laughs> we got a lot more of this. I, I won't do that to you tonight, but that's a, you get my point. Colossians chapter three, verse one. Colossians 3.1, if, in the Greek, this, you would, you would translate this word if, the closest thing you could translate it is you could translate it since. If or since you have been risen with Christ, seek, and this says, the Greek word for seek is seek with all of your heart. Those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Now, it says on the right hand of God. In the Greek, it would be on the right side of God. So let me, let me just define all these Greek words for you. This is the Tony Finley literal translation. Okay? Since... You then were risen with Christ. Pursue with all your heart those things which are above where Christ is sitting on the right side of God, which is the supreme position of authority. The word is telling you, since you have been risen with Christ, it's telling us exactly what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to seek with all of our heart. Those things which are above. What is that where Christ is sitting? What is that? That's the gospel of the grace of God. That is the gospel of the kingdom. We're to seek that with everything we are. Then in verse 2, as if that wasn't enough, it says, set your affection on things above, not on things of this earth. So let's look at this. Set. This Greek word literally means you have to deliberately set. Because you've been risen with Christ, seek with all your heart those things which are above where Christ sits on the right side of God in the supreme position of authority over everything. But now it's going to talk about, this is your serv you're doing this with all your heart, but now it's saying deliberately set your affection. The Greek word here is the Greek word mind. Deliberately set. You know, you have to deliberately set your mind on things. It doesn't automatically happen. Right? Deliberately set your mind. It literally means to direct your mind to a thing, to one thing. What is that? On things above, not on things of this earth. Wow. We're to set our mind on these things. That sounds a lot like being a doer of the word, abiding, continuing, looking and keep on looking, right? And this verse, verse 2, is in the commanded text. God, your Lord, the Lord Jesus is commanding you to deliberately set your mind on things above and not on things of this earth. The key that is found in this verse is our thought life. God is telling us what to do with our thoughts. Wow. Why would he say that? Well, let me just read just something to you real quick. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 5 and 6, look at what it says. For they that are after the flesh do mind or pay attention 
to the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. See, if your works are motivated by your flesh, it'll produce death. If your works are motivated by your spirit, it'll produce life and peace. Right? This is so big. So I'll close with this. Boy, there's so much more. You'll have to come back next week. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Right in the first half of this verse, look at what it says. Let, that means allow. You have to allow this to happen. Let or allow the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. You have to allow the words of Christ to dwell in you richly. This Greek word richly is in abundance. It literally means allow the words of Christ to dwell in you to the point of saturation. Allow the word of God to saturate you. Isn't that awesome? In all wisdom, we have to do this. See, Satan can't do anything with you if you'll do that. He can't stop the word from producing. Do you remember Genesis chapter 8? While the earth remains... Certain things are outside his realm. One of them is seed time and harvest. God wants to sow his word richly in your heart. And he wants you to water it, to meditate on it, to continue in it, to be a doer of it, to keep looking at it, and you keep watering it until it becomes to the point of saturation. What happens to something that's saturated? It grows. Right? It'll start showing up on the outside, right? It'll, exactly. It just starts oozing out. That sounds a lot like Matthew 12, 34. Where will it start oozing out of? Your mouth. It'll start oozing out of your mouth. And guess what? All that that oozes out of your mouth, God is watching over to perform it and bring it to pass in your life. So the whole thing about life is the word of God. In other words, you could change your whole life to look exact. Could you imagine if Jesus showed up tonight? You go home to lay, you, you go home, you go to bed. When you wake up, Jesus is there and saying, okay, here's the deal. I'm going to take over your life right now. I'm just going to, I want you to just kind of, you go on vacation and I'm going to jump into your life, into your situation. I wonder how long it would take him till there'd be no sickness and disease, there'd be no lack, there'd be no turmoil, no chaos, no anything, nothing but peace and Zoe life. Do you realize? He's here. And he loves you. And he's saying, stop trying to make all this stuff happen. Get saturated and let my word create Zoe life in the same way my words created the universe. 
So when you go out tonight and you look at stars and you realize that the same God whose words created that star will take care of your finances, will take care of your money, will provide everything for you. His word is no different. Wow. So we'll just close with that. Selah.